Any and all views expressed on the devil and the details are entirely my own. While I am a member of the Church of Satan, I do not speak for the Church of Satan. the show where we talk about skepticism from a satanic perspective. I'm your host, the Satanic Skeptic. On the morning of May 24th, 2022, at approximately 11.33 a.m., 18-year-old Salvador Rolando Ramos entered the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, and began a massacre using an AR-15-style rifle, which ultimately resulted in the deaths of 19 students and two teachers, and wounded 17 others. This will be the third deadliest school shooting in United States history after the shooting at Virginia Tech in 2007 and the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in 2012. The Uvalde shooting occurs just 10 days after 18-year-old Peyton Gendron committed a racially motivated mass shooting at a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. And since then, a little over a week later, 45-year-old Michael Luis, again having purchased an AR-15-style rifle mere hours before, killed two orthopedic surgeons, a medical office staffer, and a patient visitor at the St. Francis Health System campus in Tulsa, Oklahoma. These shootings prompted the usual American responses, thoughts and prayers, clarion calls for weapons bans or some sort of gun control legislation, and of course, rallies by the NRA and the usual crowing by gun nuts and Second Amendment fanatics that guns have nothing to do with the problem. Guns and more guns are the answer. Arm the teachers, arm the kids. Ted Cruz, who became a popular meme during the 2016 presidential campaign for allegedly being the Zodiac Killer, and therefore somebody who should know an awful lot about guns, used his very good brain to propose reducing the number of doors in schools to one. One way in, one way out. Let that sink in. Among the usual sturm und drang and bad takes that these kind of tragedies always invoke, I came across an egregiously stupid article from the Foundation for Economic Education, which, already, I had a sense this was going to be some bullshit libertarian take, but anyway. The title was, The Devil Went Down to Texas, The Utter Evil of the Uvalde Massacre, which I would have dismissed as merely hyperbolic, except the tagline for the article was, To massacre children is literally satanic. And that's when I said, Wait a minute. Hold up. Hit the brakes. Now, I have to read this stupid fucking article. While the author, Dan Sanchez, acknowledges that it is impossible to know exactly what would lead a person to do something so evil, he proceeds to claim, Certain revelations about the 18-year-old killer raise societal issues that, even if they weren't the decisive factors in this case, are tremendously important regarding the issue of violence, and evil in general. Sanchez quotes the Daily Beast as calling the shooter, Salvador Ramos, as quiet but with an aggressive streak, particularly expressed through videos of Ramos challenging other men to fights and harassing female students and co-workers. Then, Sanchez dives face-first into bullshit, saying, Some would attribute such an aggressive streak to males being broadly socialized to be forcefully assertive and competitive. They largely blame this culture of toxic masculinity for mass shootings and violent crime in general, both of which are predominantly committed by men. 
Who exactly are these some who Sanchez believes misattribute this aggressive streak? Who are they who allegedly blame toxic masculinity? Sanchez isn't clear. He assumes his reader is on the same ideological wavelength as him, and intuitively know who he's talking about. Sanchez argues that Ramos was a social outcast, judging by testimony from the Daily Beast in which they relate, Former friend Santos Valdez Jr. told the Washington Post that the two had been close friends until Ramos' behavior started to deteriorate. He said Ramos, who was often bullied over a speech impediment that included a stutter and lisp, once cut up his own face with a knife just for fun. The motivation then is clear. The evil has a name. Desperate to feel like a big shot, Ramos would rather go out in a blaze of glory and inflict as much pain and suffering on the world as possible, then, then continue to languish in obscurity, stomaching the unbearable weight of being a social pariah. This outcast narrative has been around since at least the school shooting at Columbine High in 1999, and it's a narrative we've seen talking heads and media pundits fall back countless times since... And it's a narrative we've seen talking heads and media pundits fall back on countless times since then. But here's the problem. It's bullshit. It wasn't true about Harrison Claybold. They killed 13 people and themselves, and would have killed many more had their homemade explosives not failed to detonate. But they had a healthy circle of friends. They went bowling every Friday. I mean, we have their journals, videotapes, all this evidence that shows they had active social lives, and never once did they mention bullying or retribution as a motive for what they planned to do. Jalen Freiberg, back in 2014, killed three students from Marysville Pilchuck High School, and then himself, was the then-freshman homecoming prince and described as well-liked and popular. T.J. Lane, even further back in 2012, killed three classmates at Chardon High School in Northeast Ohio and was described as a very normal teenage boy. As the National Association of School Psychologists state, there is no profile of a student who will cause harm. The FBI's own The School Shooter A Threat Assessment Perspective states, News coverage magnifies a number of widespread but wrong or unverified impressions of school shooters. Among them are... School violence is an epidemic. All school shooters are alike. The school shooter is always a loner. School shootings are exclusively revenge-motivated. Easy access to weapons is the most significant risk factor. That said, there are some common behavioral and personality traits that many school shooters have in common. A Secret Service and Department of Education report analyzing school shooters from 1974 to 2000 found that 78% were identified as having a history of suicidal attempts or suicidal thoughts, and 61% had a documented history of major depression. Similarly, a 2021 study published in the Journal of Social Psychology found that more than half of the 57 K-12 shooters, 24 college-university shooters, and 77 mass shooters analyzed had documented histories of psychological problems from depression to suicidal ideation, bipolar disorder, or psychotic episodes. To return to the outcast narrative, nearly half of K-12 shooters reported a history of rejection, with many describing having been bullied. Still, that's only about half, and as the authors go to great lengths to stress, there is no true profile of a school shooter. Plenty of people are bullied in middle and high school without entertaining thoughts of shooting classmates. Similarly, making and breaking relationships goes along with high school culture, yet most people who experience a breakup do not think of harming others. Anxiety and depression are common, especially in adolescence, and countless adolescents play violent video games without committing acts of violence in real life. 
even if some commonalities are evident, we must recognize their limits. I would also point out that perceptions of rejection are not the same as actual rejection. In some cases, school shooters acknowledged positive interactions with their peers, but described the negative as, like a cut, it doesn't go away really fast. So while there might be some truth to the idea that school shooters turn to fantasies of violence and eventually commit actual violent acts as a means of expressing the pain of rejection, the outcast narrative isn't always the case. It doesn't apply to every single case of school shootings, and it might not in fact reflect the kinds of relationships and interactions a school shooter has with their family, friends, classmates, or teachers. It's a reflection of their own internal perceptions, and therefore can be much harder to spot. There's also a serious danger when someone point the finger at mental health. The argument that the United States is in a mental health crisis and that we need better mental health care to prevent these shootings unfairly focuses the blame solely on mental illness as much as unfairly focusing the blame solely on gun control. Blaming mental illness for school shootings unfairly stigmatizes children and young adults with mental health issues and creates an atmosphere in which adults are encouraged to conceptualize children as being fundamentally different from their peers and potential threats. It also narrows the focus to the point in which other, more salient features might be ignored. So, to return to Sanchez's ill-informed op-ed, he argues that school shooters are resentful misfits who, instead of being encouraged and taught how to channel their aggressive tendencies towards something constructive, were taught to suppress their negative emotions and eventually explode. Again, Sanchez is making sweeping statements about the lives, social upbringing, and inner worlds of school shooters with absolutely nothing to back up his assertions than some quotes from fucking Jordan Peterson. And if you know who uh, Christian piss baby Jordan Peterson is, then you know goddamn well he didn't provide any evidence or sources for what he said either. Sanchez even acknowledges that he pretty much made all this shit up by confessing, again, I don't know if that's what happened in the case of Salvador Ramos, but I wonder if it is. Well, Dan Sanchez, I don't know if you were dropped on your head as a baby, but I wonder if you were. What does any of this have to do with the devil? By the end of the article, Sanchez compares the Goddardamerung mentality of his mythical school shooter to the fall of the rebel angels. That's right, a biblical reference that surely would make Jordan Peterson cry as everything that has to do with Jesus Christ or the Bible does. Sanchez writes, Such a wicked deed is to say literally, to hell with it. To hell with society, with morality, with the structure of being itself. It is to say, as Satan did in Paradise Lost when, resentful of his status, he tried to overthrow God, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. To commit such nihilistic rebellion is to embody the archetype of the devil, the adversary, the villain. Unsurprisingly, Dan Sanchez demonstrates he doesn't know jack or shit about what real Satanism is. He solipsistically views everything through the black-and-white, good-versus-evil duality lens of Judeo-Christianity. If Sanchez knew anything about real Satanism, he'd know that, first of all, the harming of animals and children is forbidden. Second of all, Satanists behave according to the principle of lex talionis, the law of tooth and claw. Justice is retributive, with the punishment fitting the crime in both kind and degree. Even if it were the case that someone was bullied and rejected as an outcast, to retaliate with violence would only be appropriate for self-defense or to return an injury blow for blow. The killing of one's enemy purely for pleasure, let alone the wholesale slaughter of one's classmates, betrays a lack of self-mastery, prudence, and respect for the social contract which are all necessary to live in a society. 
better to simply turn the gun on oneself and make one's exit gracefully before shitting all over the carpet, setting the drapes on fire, and tossing oneself out the window, leaving a mess for everyone else to clean up. No doubt some will say, but don't Satanists believe that might makes right? What about all the social Darwinist misanthropic posturing that school shooters do online? Aren't they right in exercising their might? To which I would respond, no you fucking simpleton. To equate might solely with physical strength or superiority of arms is foolishness. Knowledge is power, and the Satanist with their superior intelligence and talent, not to mention their willpower, would find ways to not only endure, but eventually thrive and outclass their persecutors. As atheists, we do not believe in a god or an afterlife. This material, temporal existence is likely all we have. Resignation terminates any possibility for future triumph. Sanchez explicitly states that young men especially should reject the role of villain and embrace that of the hero, which I would argue is precisely the problem. School shooters think they're the hero of their own self-contained narrative. Isn't the hero the one who always makes the suicidal last stand? Who fights to the last man and isn't supposed to have any second thoughts about throwing his life away for some impersonal cause? Villains are supposed to treat people as expendable pawns and give no thought for the well-being or lives of others, but how could anyone be said to truly value life in principle if they didn't first treat their own as the highest value? And aren't heroes just as likely to sacrifice others for the greater good? I think, to whatever degree it might be possible, the world would be a better place if more people embraced the role of villain. Villains always make their escape, retreating and narrowly avoiding capture by the hero. As Tacitus said, he that fights and runs away may turn and fight another day. Villains know when they can't win and aren't a match for their rivals, so they wait and bide their time, plotting and scheming how best to get their revenge. While this may seem like the behavior and thought patterns of a school shooter on the surface, again, only someone with a stolted, limited imagination can only conceive of the brutality of violence and death. A Satanist would outwit show up, and humiliate their enemies, or create circumstances in which their foe would be the author of their own fate. Much like the serpent presenting Eve with the apple, a Satanist may orchestrate their enemy's downfall, but ultimately, it will be that person's own insensitivity, gullibility, ignorance, or covetousness which will lead them into temptation. While bullies can only exercise a sense of power and control by forcefully dominating others, the Satanist is most hard with themselves, mastering themselves and overcoming themselves, and so cultivate talent and skills that make them inherently exceptional. Thus do we enjoy the fruits that life has to offer, and as Anton LaVey once said, the best revenge is living well. So no, Dan Sanchez, massacring children is not satanic. You must be thinking of the god of the Israelites, who said, Happy shall he be who taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones, and commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. It is, after all, an easy enough mistake to make. If you like this episode and want to hear more, you can check out The Devil in the Details on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Podcast, pretty much anywhere you can listen to a podcast. If you have any questions or would like to shoot me a line, you can reach me on Facebook at The Devil in the Details. My handle is Satanic Skeptic. Maybe consider subscribing to the podcast, liking the Facebook page. You can also check out the articles that I write for Skeptical Inquirer at skepticalinquirer.org or for more pop culture-related skepticism at aiptcomics.com. On the next episode, I plan on digging into my old files and discussing some past cases I've written for Skeptical Inquirer, starting with one of my personal favorites, 
A ghost video, well, alleged ghost video, filmed on location at the reportedly haunted house of actress Katherine Hepburn. Until then, the devil of doubt calls forth mankind to challenge all things, question all things. May the Luciferian light of reason guide you on your way, ever forward. Hail science. Hail reason. Hail Satan.